0: Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, producer of the show. We're certainly happy to have you here, and we have something extra special for you today. Ian and I have been going on the Clubhouse app and having conversations with a panel of guests who are Enneagram savvy in their field of expertise. Now, here is the kicker. Because we're doing it on Clubhouse, we get to bring you, the listener, up on the stage to ask our experts your questions, to tell your story, and to weigh in on the conversation. And, of course, that makes it really, really fun. So you're going to love this. One more note on the Clubhouse app, if you haven't already joined Be sure and join and follow Ian Cron and myself, Anthony Skinner. And that way, the next time we host a Clubhouse Room, you'll be notified and you can jump in and join us with your questions. Today is Enneagram in Business with experts Scott Allender, Karen Hardwick, and Chris Corneal. You're going to love this show. Hang on for the ride. And now here's our panel and the host of our show, Ian Cron.
1: Hey, everybody, I'm Ian Cron, and uh, welcome to this conversation about the Enneagram and business tonight. This is our second clubhouse uh, deal that my producer Anthony Skinner and I are hosting, and uh, we've uh, really looked forward to this particular conversation uh, about business and the Enneagram. For those of you who are new, To uh, Clubhouse, here's the deal. This is a freewheeling conversation. It's not a podcast. It's not a quote-unquote interview per se, though I will moderate it and uh, um, sort of facilitate the conversation. Um, You all are welcome to jump into the conversation. You can ask all of our moderators moderators a a question. uh, You can ask to all of them or specifically to one of them that you're particularly interested in hearing from and you can talk to each other. Uh, so I, I want to make sure that uh, y'all know that there's uh, this is not a, uh, uh, a very formal kind of deal. I want this to be something where everybody's free to get in on the conversation. Let's go around the panel and let them introduce themselves. I, I will. Yeah. I will in just a moment. Um, so here's the thing. Let me just say a few things about the Enneagram in business and then I'm going to introduce my, uh, my co-moderators here. One of the great joys of my life is that i spend most of my time uh bringing the enneagram into the corporate world i'm privileged to go to companies now either virtually uh hopefully back in person in the near future uh, where i present the enneagram as a tool uh, to help members of teams uh executive teams uh Uh, there's so many applications for the Enneagram in the corporate sphere, but my role is to introduce them to this amazing system to help grow self awareness and self knowledge among team members and uh, executives in order to uh, create a richer, more productive, um, more profitable environment, but also one that is uh, more filled with, joy, compassion, empathy, uh, among other things. And we've seen tremendous, tremendous results uh, in this regard. So let me introduce you to my co-moderators, who I'm thrilled because I've worked with all three of them. Um, First is Scott Allender, and uh, Scott is the Senior Vice President of Global and uh, global talent strategy and development at warner music group right here in nashville he's also the host of the evolving leader podcast which i highly recommend to all of you Uh, scott and i have worked together on several occasions and uh uh, over at warner and he is uh, an amazing leader with a lot of background in um using tools like the Enneagram in the corporate space. Second, Chris Carneal, founder and CEO of Boosterthon. What can I say about Chris Carneal except that he's got this big heart in a very big company, and uh, I'm going to talk to you all more about him as we go along, but he and his team have adopted the Enneagram. I went in and was able to lead uh, them on a, on a wonderful retreat in the Bahamas and then later uh, in Atlanta. And uh, he is a seven on the enneagram, and you are going to learn that hard in a minute. You're going to you're going to learn and see that clearly in a minute. And Scott, by the way, is a three on the enneagram. And last, Karen Hardwick, president of Karen J. Hardwick. Karen and I just did a uh, corporate workshop this week for a firm in the UK for two mornings. That uh, was really, really fantastic. She is an executive coach par excellence. Welcome to Karen, Chris, and Scott. Thanks 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 for having us. Glad to be here. All right. Let me just jump in with a question just to get us started. Hey, and all of you that are in the room, so you know, when you raise your hand, uh, we're going to bring you into, uh, into the room to be in conversation with us and, uh, I'm assuming that all of you know how to do that. Anthony, how do they do that?
0: Yes, just at your bottom right of your screen, you'll see a little hand there and you can raise your hand by pressing that button and I'll let you up to speak. All
1: right. Fantastic. Okay, moderators, let's just start start with this question uh to uh open the conversation. I want to know um what the uh f- what's the attraction for you uh in using the Enneagram in the corporate space? Like, why the Enneagram? What are the benefits of it uh, from your perspective? Why is it perhaps, or how does it stack up or measure against things like Myers Briggs and uh, Hogan and, uh, you know, Disc and Finders and all these other sort of personality um, or, you know, talent uh, or gift assessments? Uh, how does it how does it measure up? Why are you using it?
2: I'll I'll, I'll jump in. Oh. Um, so I, I still use uh, several of these other other tools. I use uh, Myers Briggs uh, at times because I think it's useful for understanding some like hardwired factory settings uh, that people come with in terms of how they prefer to take in information and make decisions. And so when you're thinking about it in a corporate setting and you're maybe trying to put a team together um, around a certain project, kind of understanding these preferences might help inform some of that. Um, I use Hogan because it's it was built for business and it's built on uh, the five big personality traits, uh, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism. Uh, and I even use a lot of uh, you know emotional intelligence tools when I'm doing profiling. But the limitations with these tools, in my view, is that although they bring about a certain level of, of newfound awareness for people, they can really be lacking in strategies for development or insights. Uh, you know, awareness is a, you know, important first step, but as I've heard you say many times, Ian, uh, and I agree, is you know, information is not transformation. Whereas the Enneagram, um, when applied properly and, and really, um, we really traverse that, that terrain, it really gets under the hood, right? It's it's not looking at just what your natural strengths and gifts are, although it does reveal to you some of that. Um, but it's getting underneath the, the waterline of consciousness and really getting into, you know, why you do what you do. And in a business context, it can start to illuminate um, the unconscious strategies for getting your needs met and what are the implications in a, as a team member or a leader When you're not aware of what those strategies are, maybe you're not fully, fully conscious of them and, and, and the implications they have. So I think, uh, the Enneagram just gets us to a, a a real level of, of depth, um, and and can kind of provide you a map for growing past, uh, your self-imposed limitations. Wow. I'm going
3: to jump in a little bit. Um, you know, I heard you say, Ian, last week a couple of times, and I certainly agree with you, there's no one assessment that is the magic bullet, right? Um, And I, in my leadership and coaching practice, use a lot of them as well for various reasons in a variety of situations. However, this is what I have found about the Enneagram. It's the only tool that I have seeing people have an emotional response to. So over and over again, what I've witnessed is the movement from self-awareness, which is basically a taking stock, like these are my strengths and these are my weaknesses, to self-discovery, which is when we really start to heal and grow and transform. So, just um, a couple of weeks ago, I got a call from a CEO I'm working with, and he literally said that when he was reading his report, you can imagine he's done many assessments over many a moon. When he was reading his report and then reading about his type in Ian's book, he had what he called an Eureka moment. It allowed him to tie his personal history to how he was showing up in the workplace. And I've been doing this for a long time. I've never had anyone call me with such an emotional response and such gratitude over an assessment. It was truly a pivotal moment in his growth. We chatted about it even today. And a few times during our conversation, he had to hit the pause button weeks later to just kind of absorb the connections he was making. And I've seen it over and over again make such a huge difference in the workplace when it comes to authenticity and engagement and curiosity. So I'm going to hit the pause button there, but again, it's a game changer.
2: Mm. I love that. Karen.
1: What do you Chris think? Here? Chris?
4: I got to follow Scott and Karen. Love that wisdom. The word that always comes to mind for me is health. Culture, eat strategy for breakfast, how to create a healthy culture by having healthy people and taking self awareness to the level of health. And you can, You are who you are Enneagram wise, but you can be always become a more healthy version of yourself. And I think that's the distinctive for me, for our team, for the way we talk about Enneagram uh, is how do you become more healthy? And then how do you create a healthy environment for others to thrive? So to me, that's health is the word that drives the individual's input into the culture.
1: Mm. Hey, Chris, I want to focus on you just for a second because, uh, you know, obviously I loved working with BoosterThon. Can you give a two-sentence sort of description of BoosterThon? How many people are working there uh, to give a sense of scope? And then could you just tell me in brief, like, I've been there twice, worked with you all. How have you begun to apply the Enneagram at BoosterThon, and what results have you seen?
4: Wow, great question. Thanks. Your work has been transformative for us. So grateful for our friendship, time together. Um, We work with schools nationwide. We host events that are fundraising campaigns. 2020 was by far the most challenging professional season of my life. Uh, Again, I'm a founder, Enneagram 7. I started in a celebratory, fun event company for schools. And on March the 13th, the school and the event business In America, completely shut down. So we had to go from overall very long, 173 days of no revenue with 840 employees. We finally, when the fall was very challenging, we had to resize the company from 840 to 120. We're back up to uh, close to 500 now. But for an Enneagram 7 who loves culture and people to literally feel stuck, I can't open the market. I can't do anything. I can't convince (laughs) Schools to open, kids are home. It was a very challenging professional time for me. That I had to lean into the Lord. I had to trust in Him. I have a amazing Enneagram Nine wife whose peacemaking ability uh, was exactly what this seven needed in a moment where I was feeling very stuck for a long time. Mm -hmm. But um, so you know, knowing that the Lord's in charge, knowing that I can every single day choose to be healthy or not. What can I control? Um, that was really, uh, it was a, you know, sanctifying season for me. Uh, and we're coming out of it and schools are opening up again and we're, we're, we popped our first confetti cannon in, uh, in eight months, uh, yesterday as we brought in, you know, about 20 new hires. So, uh, exciting times are, are coming again. In fact, if anything, I feel even more grateful and I feel more grounded in the celebration and excitement because we've been through such a challenging season. Uh, but very, very practically, if you come to our home office in Atlanta, Every person's office has their name, the date they started, and their Enneagram number on the door.
5: Hmm.
4: That's, so that's whether you're amazing. an outsider, or you've been around for years, you can see this is not their identity. It's not completely who they are, but it's at least a or snapshot of uh, who they're going to be uh, when you get to know them. Hmm.
1: That's intense. I actually didn't know that about you all. I had another company do that, and, uh, but I'm thrilled that you guys have done it. I love that. Yeah. Wow. And and Chris, just a a sentence or two. Like, how have you seen it, the Enneagram and the, you know, putting your folks through it, change the culture of Booster Thumb?
4: Depth. I think we appreciate each other more. Mm. It's allowed me to not, you know, sometimes Enneagram gets a bad rap, like any assessment. You're putting someone in a box or you're identifying them too narrowly. If anything, it's given me a greater appreciation for the fullness and wholeness of who people are. I get to see, uh, how someone at their best brings out, uh, a, a, character trait of God or a, uh, a personality type that the world needs in a, in a way that I just can't bring that about. And I think seeing that, um, the creativity of billions of people all wired differently, but having some connection in certain, uh, nine different types, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a very cool, uh, awakening when you start to you start to see that the, the differences the uniqueness are complementary for the health of others
1: mm-hmm. great scott or karen you want to chime in in terms of the question about applying the
3: enneagram to business and results? Yeah, and the results about? that you've yeah. seen
1: and yeah, yeah. Like how, how is it how's it working
3: yeah so you know as you know ian um i believe that connection is the centerpiece of our growth as human beings and leaders connection to ourselves connection to a higher purpose god for me and then connection to others but we can't really connect with or lead others in healthy and sustainable ways until we truly connect with ourselves in honest authentic ways mm. and over and over again i spoke about this a little bit before i see the Enneagram really being a connection creator. Because the most courageous work we do is the work we do on ourselves. And I've witnessed the Enneagram helping leaders to awaken and lead more consciously. Mm. But I don't want to only default to this softer stuff, although this is by no means soft stuff, because it really moves the needle. Um, I have seen individuals and teams build trust, enhance engagement, and create a safe psychological space, not because they went through some leadership development training, but because the Enneagram has helped them to connect to themselves
5: Hmm.
1: and,
3: therefore, to others. Hmm. There's less of the connection breakers and more of the connection creators. Right? I mean, like, so the connection breakers, and we all do this, we're humans, it's messy, it's complex. But the connection breakers are present in spades in corporate worlds like blaming and shaming and gossip. And we need more of the connection creators like curiosity, empathy, mindfulness, and accountability. And I've actually seen the Enneagram move the needle on those connection creators. One president, though, Mm. also called and told me just a couple of weeks ago that she has never had revenue be as robust in her division as it's now because, and she attributes it to, the Enneagram. Because people are performing at higher levels because they're more authentic. So I think that pretty much sums it up. There's tremendous. Positive impact on business metrics, on connection, on relationships, on authentic showing up.
1: Yeah, Scott. Well, Scott, looks like you want to say yeah. something.
2: I always want to say something. Yeah. Um, I, I would underscore, you know, everything that that Kristen and uh, Karen just said, um, and Karen said something about trust, and it and it sparks something uh, in me because I think one of the things I've seen the Enneagram do in the different organizations where I where I've worked with it is that it Accelerates relationships because people now start to see themselves uh, more authentically, and they start to see other people more clearly. We tend to evaluate ourselves based on our uh, our intentions, and other people based on their behaviors. And but when you when you get a, a sense-making map like the Enneagram, you can start to see past people's behaviors or things that they do that may not. Uh, be in agreement with the way you would have approached it and you start seeing behind like what might be motivating that in the same way you stop excusing away maybe your own bad behavior or, or things are going on and you can start to observe you know what was behind that what was the feeling or the thought behind that and i think one of the what it does is it does it does really accelerate trust because you know one of the primary reasons when when trust doesn't exist is because of people not being known, right? So we don't trust what we don't know. And so when we know each other better, we can trust each other better. It was interesting. I I actually saw some research published this week about organizations with high trust. And it said that high trust companies report 74% less stress, 106% more energy at work, 50% higher productivity, 13% fewer sick days, 29% more satisfaction, 40% less burnout, 76% 76% more engagement, and I'll, I'll expand, on, expand on the engagement step for just a second. Um, there's something known um, as the 10-6-2 rule, and what that means is that a 10% increase in someone's engagement leads to an average of 6% more effort, which leads to an average of 2% greater results. So if you can even start to see what that means, if somebody's in a revenue-generating role and you can help them to increase their own engagement and i do believe that working with enneagram is an engagement tool um you can help them increase their own engagement by 10 percent. you would literally just help them increase their revenue output by output by up to two percent that's some significant commercial implication it's really good
1: that is uh that is amazing i'm wondering uh, uh for the folks that are in the room I think you can just hit your uh, mic button repeatedly to, to answer this question. How many of you own businesses or in businesses, want to bring the Enneagram into the, the work world? Just just hit your mic button repeatedly. Let me just see who's out there.
0: We just had two people raise their hands.
1: Oh, good. Let's bring them in.
0: Oh, the other people K. that are... Eric,
1: Cole, and Cody.
0: Yeah, so, so those are people that are answering your question.
1: Okay, great. All right, Eric, Cody, others... Fantastic. Anybody have any questions? Want to get into the conversation with us? Yeah, raise your hand and we'll, we'll bring
0: you up. Question for Ian or anyone in our, on our panel.
1: All right, no problem. We can keep talking. I do not have a shortage of things to say. So, uh, But anywhere along the line, you know, raise your hand, let us know, and we will bring you into the room, bring you into the conversation. We're happy to do it. Um, all right, so uh, to my three moderators, um, you know, Uh, I think one of the big questions people have, you know, when I come into, into a corporation, I I do a, you know, an eight hour presentation on the uh, Enneagram to whatever team it is uh, inside the company. Um, You know, one of the big challenges is, okay, well now they have this information. Now they have this knowledge. How do they integrate it into uh, the company, into the team? Like how do they need this new information into the dough of uh, of their workplace, and I'm just curious to know uh, what I mean. Chris just mentioned, you know, well, we, everyone's got an enneagram number on their door, and I can think of all the implications of what that means inside uh, um, a corporation. But I'm curious to know what does integration look like? How do you bring the enneagram into teams uh, after a presentation, and uh, so that it becomes? an ongoing conversation in-house, you know, where people are are using the Enneagram in their interactions and in in work. Hmm. You know, I have one team who's
3: decided that they're going to start every meeting that they have just checking in with everyone about an Enneagram discovery that they're making about themselves Hmm. since they last met. So, They get to tell stories about what they're learning about themselves as a result of the Enneagram. And that really enhances how they're living it and breathing it and how it's creating a safer psychological and emotional place for people. Mm-hmm. And again, back to that word that Scott was using before, when that happens, we see a huge rise in engagement. People begin to speak truth to power. The masks are slowly coming off. I've seen this over and over again where people stop hustling for approval as much and they start relating to each other from a much more authentic place. Um, Just today, I had one C-level officer of a company who's a client of mine, and he's known for hardly ever speaking his mind, call the CEO for whom he works and tell her that some of what she had said in a meeting that day was off-putting and demoralizing. Right? And he did it respectfully and kindly and from a position of tremendous courage. And then he invited the CEO to explore the dynamic with them using their Enneagram as jumping off places and places to take deeper dives from. So it was really awesome. It changes the language, it changes the whole fabric of how people relate
1: to each other. Mm, great. Scott, I know you've done a lot of thinking about this. What, what are your thoughts? Uh,
2: well, most I'm just thinking about Chris's comment about the, any program members on the office doors and I'm just trying to remember what it was like to have an office door, but, um, <laughs> 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 um yeah. So, you know, I think for me, I, when I work with the team, I, I, I ideally like to try to plan a series of interventions, um, or follow up sessions, you know, the sort of now what kind of piece. Uh, I did a workshop recently, um, and we pre-scheduled two workshops and I invited any individual in this sort of 20 person team to do uh, one-on-one coaching or if they were still unsure about their type, I could do a typing interview, I offered assessments. And, and I really then in the, in the up workshop, you know, try to surface questions and really not leave them kind of just drinking from a fire hose and then kind of they're on their own. Um, you know, some of the, the anecdotal feedback I get from you know, various folks is, you know, I could summa- uh, summarize it by saying a lot of people r- report an increased awareness um, that our strengths when overused become liabilities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got these sort of adaptive strategies for each of our Enneagram types. And up until the sort of, you know, for, for many until they learn the Enneagram, they're not really aware that when those strengths Get overused, they actually can work work against you, right? So, they they you know, and when we are under stress or pressure, that's when we tend to overuse them most. We think, well, these strategies worked before, so if they aren't working now, that was that must mean I need to turn it up more, right? Give me an amp that goes to eleven. I gotta I gotta double down on this. So, they start to learn. Oh, the Enneagram can show me that this is just one way of being in the world and I can start to open myself up to new perspectives and new ways. And and, and maybe, maybe my natural strength isn't the thing that's needed here right now. Maybe I need somebody else's natural strength or, you know, I need to step back a little bit depending on type and and so forth. And the other thing I would just add to that is uh, I've had conversations where people say that it it normalized feeling language in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, So instead of sort of trying to compartmentalize and leave, those certain parts of ourselves at the proverbial office door, um, there's a freedom to bring your whole self to work in that team. And there's a receptivity for it, a a sort of curiosity about one another that happens after a shared experience and discovery like that, which, Mm. which I could only imagine. And this is complete conjecture on my part, but I do wonder how much more, helpful that kind of insight would be for people who knew the enneagram, enneagram. going into the pandemic right if i'm a, if I'm on a team and i i know chris as a 7 perhaps and, and maybe feeling completely you know struggling uh, sorry chris i'm just you know i don't i don't know enough about you to, to know this but oh you're nailing it keep going <laughs> but feeling completely you know uh, you know struggling with feeling a little so limited and uh, and sort of um, as 7s can tend to do you know I might now being armed with that knowledge go out of my way to, to reach out to Chris a couple times a week and mm. um, see how he's doing in, in a more intimate and personal way to make sure he's okay, which, you know, from a business perspective hopefully keeps him happier, more optimistic and more productive in such difficult times. So again, that's not a real example. It's just conjecture. I thought about that a few times over the course of the last year, wondering if some of the people I've taught might've, might have been using this in this uh, difficult season. Mm-hmm.
4: Scott, you just made a comment a minute ago, and I'd love for you to rephrase it because it was gold. Mm-hmm. Something like, maybe who I am, I don't need to lean more into who I am. Maybe I'm the wrong person to fit this situation. What did you, can you say that again? That was really insightful. And,
2: not- oh, um, I think I was I was saying, oh, that my, my strengths over you become a liability and maybe You know, when I learn other perspectives, other vantage points, other ways of being in the world, I can start to step back and go, maybe my strength isn't needed here. Maybe it's somebody else's
4: strength. Yes, yes. Well, so we've been talking internally, our own cultures, our teammates, our chemistry with those we work with, but just to flip it external for a second, our partners, our vendors, our clients, Mm -hmm. I mean, in the middle of this pandemic, you know, when I'm talking to bankers and vendors and clients... (laughs) And their fear and, you know, us trying to figure out liquidity and all that, I realized very quickly that me as a seven talking to a banker in the middle of May, in the middle of a pandemic, is not a great idea. I mean, I'm not, we're not connecting it. Their, their fear level is through the roof. They're, they're at least our bankers are, rightly so, I'm glad they are, Enneagram ones or fives. And so, you know, or six. And so my CFO, the six, having those conversations with them, just, you know, it's, it's a tricky, you don't want to guess anybody. You don't want to assume, but if you can kind of get a pretty good idea that this person I'm working with, not as a associate, not as a team member, but as a, a vendor, a client, a partner, they're different than me. And the more I can see mm. an insight into who they are, the better I can serve them or partner with them or communicate with
0: them.
1: Mm. Gosh, that's great. Well, that is, that's strong, man. Uh, I like that.
0: Megan had raised her hand a minute ago. Megan,
1: are you there? Did you want to ask a question?
3: Yes. Um, I was just wondering if you guys in um, doing like Enneagram typing for a team um, and then going over the results and kind of giving a plan to the team, have you met any resistance um, from team members who didn't really want to take the test or didn't really want people to know what their type was? Um, if so, how
5: did you
2: handle
1: that? Oh, good question. Nice, Megan.
2: That is a really good question, Megan. Thank you. Um, I haven't personally uh, experienced a lot of resistance. I, I would call it more um, sheepishness or hesitation, um, you know, sort of a, Sometimes folks walk in a room, you can tell sort of by their posture, you know, who's sort of eager to go and learn and who sort of might not be. It, my experience quite often is some of the, the ones who seem hesitant, uh, you know, kind of have those aha moments too and become more receptive. Not always. I always contract though with people before any kind of assessment would be shared. When I do anything like that with an individual, it's for the individual. And only if they're comfortable and want to share this, this, is this is their story to tell. and. And they can, you know, decide if they don't want to. Um, also, to that point, to try to alleviate concerns, I spend a, probably, you know, a disproportionate amount of time, you know, than, than maybe most on the enneagram uh, ethics in in any session. Because if it's not creating more empathy and compassion and better relationships, if it if it is intentionally or even unintentionally weaponized in any way, then by I would rather never step in a room and and teach this tool. So I try to really frame things up from a, this is for these four walls. I'm not going to share individual reports with anybody. here spend a lot of time on ethics and etiquette. And usually I found pretty good results from that. I don't know if if the other moderators have a different experience.
1: Well, other
3: moderators? I think you nailed it there, Scott. I mean, my experience is exactly the same, so there's really not much more I can add to that. Well said.
4: Yeah, if you create the culture of self-awareness, self-discovery, these are gifts that we can learn each other and celebrate one another more. And then knowing, of course, different Enneagram types are going to speak up more and maybe some might ponder or process more first, but this is something for us to have a conversation so we can grow into more individual and corporate overall health. I think if, if that's how it's framed, we've never felt any resistance. There's some that I don't want to be put in a box, hang but you know, You give them a few minutes, like, well, you just nailed me. That's me. You know me. I want to be known. So
0: Love that. While we're talking, Gary, I see that you help entrepreneurs get unstuck, and you use a lot of different tools. Maybe if you could be thinking about a question. I don't see that you use the Enneagram, but you are a five-wing six, so you're you're social five-wing six. You're aware of the Enneagram. Maybe if you could think of a question uh, for our panelists, since you are in the business of helping entrepreneurs get unstuck.
6: Oh, Ian! Um, I was just going to mention something. Do you mind?
0: No, Katie, go ahead. Yes.
6: Uh, my name's Katie. Uh, my husband is Cody, just below you there in the orange bubble. Hey. We're huge fans. <laughs> huge, huge fans of the Enneagram and all your work, and uh, just appreciate this space so much. Um, so we um, we have used the Enneagram a lot in our marriage, and it's helped us understand each other so much. But when it comes to business. Um, I used to lead a team back in Australia, and I um, had one girl in particular that I was constantly clashing with, mm. and I was trying to figure out a way how to reach her because she was great at her job, but we were constantly clashing, and so uh, Enneagram entered, and I became obsessed with it. Um, I'm an Enneagram Seven, and um, I just I just started thinking how can I implement this into the workspace and initially um, just to answer Megan's question, she actually did buck up against it to begin with because she didn't want to feel controlled or put in a box or anything like that. So it was for me relearning how I explain why we're doing this and what the heart of it is and the hope of it is um, to create connection and better working relationships. And so anyway, it turns out she was an Enneagram 8 and as I learnt about 8 I more and more started to understand what she actually needed. Mm. Um, I was missing something in the communication with her need for feeling safe or not controlled. And that was just like letting her know what's happening, like communicating the week ahead and mm. just giving her more information. And the more information she had, I, I started to understand the safer she felt. And, and almost within, I would say a month, our working relationship started to transform. And we started going out for lunch together, and she, I invited her into some meetings to bounce some ideas. So it really helped transform that working relationship with her. Um, even though initially um, she was bucking up against it, um, I think it helped me grow as well in understanding how I present the Enneagram. And um, yeah, like like what uh, Scott was saying earlier, and just helping people to understand the heart of why we're doing it.
1: Mm. That's great, Katie. Thank you so much. Great, great story and great insight. We welcome stories from anybody, not just questions. If you have stories that you uh, would like to share from your own experience using the Enneagram in an organization or a business, or if you're having questions about it or not, just uh, feel free to, to chime in. We love to hear stories of uh, of um, how the Enneagram has, has helped people in the business space and the workspace. uh I think it'd be helpful for everybody here or even how it's helped you personally, uh, in the workplace, like understanding yourself and, um, how it's changed who you are in, in the workplace, uh, and in ways that are positive or I don't care even if there are ways that are, are, are problematic. So, you know, bring all that to us as, as well. Love to love to hear those tales. Um, So we got a three, we got a seven, we got a two as a moderator here. uh, Karen is a two. I'm just curious, like when you guys first learned the Enneagram, I mean, one of you can answer this, like, was there an aha moment for you? Like you went, oh my gosh, this explains so (laughs) much. And if you had that moment, if you had a moment like that, and we, you know, we should be willing to share something that was, and how it helped you in terms of your life, your effectiveness, your heart in every way. In the in the business sphere,
3: hmm, hmm. Um, I'll take a stab at it. Um, so I'm a two, um, which means, of course, that I'm really emotionally oriented and relationship centered and focused. And ah, it really dovetailed for me with a lot of other work that I was doing on myself. And it was this moment where I realized, oh, my gosh, I have to take off the cape. Mm.
5: Like
3: I have to <laughs> let people have their own suffering and stop fixing people. Because as a two, I can really rock it. Yeah. Um, I love making my home a loving haven. I, a haven. I love encouraging other people. I haven't picked this work that I do as a psychotherapist or leadership consultant by accident. I can really rock it as a two, but also as a result of being a two, I'm a recovering higher power, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I cannot meet your needs and ignore mine.
5: Mm.
3: I can prove myself indispensable until I am dispensable. And so all of this is so lovely until it's not. And then one of the things that I had to do is learn to take off this superwoman cape because it was really getting in the way. Mm. It was getting in the way of my own needs and it was getting in the way of letting other people have their journey. So um, it just was really this wonderful synergistic healing source of, enlightenment and awakening as I was doing my other work
1: mm. wow. that's so good. wonderful who else Chris how did it help you um, awareness
4: that uh, you in your book the road back to you where it summarizes the first page it's like here's this might be true if and it says something like this is not exact, but like the future is so exciting. I can hardly wait for it to get there. Mm. I'm like, that's it. You nail me. Mm. Uh, I just, that's why I'm always thinking, dreaming, casting vision, talking about the future. But but what I miss is the reality, the groundedness of the moment that I'm living in right now. So Mm. once I really understood that and I'm still understanding it, uh, being present, in the moment became uh, something I tell myself in my head almost every conversation. And and if I do, if I remind myself to be present in the moment, I'll inevitably t- start talking about the future, what's to come. But if I can balance those two in a, in a healthy way, my relationships are far deeper and richer mm-hmm. with my wife, with my kids, with my team members, my clients, vendors. So. To me, that's, that's kind of the key to health for a seven. Mm. Balancing the excitement and fun with living in the moment grounded in reality.
1: Sweet. That's good. Wow. We've got a question out okay. there from Eric. Eric. Eric, are you there?
7: Hey, yes, I'm here. Hey, man. Um, Just thank you for putting this on. Um, I'm an Enneagram seven looking at it. My question, though, and using it in business, um, so being an Enneagram seven, I like to have a lot of fun. Um, I'm also a leader, and so I like the fun part. I like dealing with the people, but dealing with the, the business side and dealing with the numbers, where it doesn't seem to be as fun. And then also, I work for a school district, which seems to be of bureaucracy, which is a challenge as well. Uh, so, you know, just trying to figure out from a seven
4: perspective, uh, how to balance the fun with the business side as well. Oh, man. Well, Ian and I w- uh, was on Ian's podcast, what, a year or two ago, Ian, with my CFO, who's a six with a seven wing. And boy, do I need him and rely on him uh, every single day. Uh, um, you know, a word that's even deeper and richer than fun is joy. I think that's a, mm. uh, the deeper soul, spiritual emphasis. Like we, why do we want fun or create fun? Is it just for, for us? If it's, if it's for the good of others, if it's for flourishing and sustainable, there's a, a deep-seated joy And let me just (laughs) remind you, you don't need it. Uh, Man, joy has been missing in households across the world, in students' homes, in classrooms, whether kids are there or not, teachers, the stress. Man, you have an opportunity to bring the joy that is your firepower and fuel uh, in in 2021, and it's never been more needed for emotional, spiritual, mental health.
1: Mm. And and Chris, you know, you're not a detail guy per se. I mean, you're a seven, you're a, the high fly and how you like to get it a hundred thousand feet, bring the vision, bring the message. And then I'm, I'm sure you push a lot of details down to other people in terms of execution and all that stuff. How, how have you, I mean, do you just delegate stuff? That's like too far down in the, yeah, weeds I, I, you? I, I don't hire many sevens.
4: Uh, I'm a very <laughs> <much of one. laughs> I don't, I, we, have, you know, there's a few on the sales team, uh, they're awesome, but I'm enough of one, and I want to be surrounded by my, my president's a three, my head of VP of operations a five, my CFO's a six, uh, my head of technology is an eight. So, you know, I just think it's, it's knowing what's the right balance for the, not just for the team, but also for the season we're in. I know that's different for, it's not advice just great to a teacher, but what season is our organization in? And where do we need a little bit more push? You know, are we, is it not fun? Is it stale? Do we need a little you know, more sevens? Do we need more caring twos, more peaceful nines? I mean, you know, where do we need to balance things out for the next you know, two or three years? Mm. Uh, so really giving more of a voice to those that need a greater microphone in the season ahead.
1: Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I'd love to hear more wisdom from people in the room, like how um, you know, their type in, in the organization – like the gifts that it's brought, the challenges that it's brought. If you've had some aha moments, perhaps early on when you learned the Enneagram that just helped you so much in, in your, whatever field it is that you're working. I'd love to hear from, from some of you. So raise a hand and jump in. Don't, don't. I'd love to jump in, Ian. Go.
2: Okay. So I'm going to share a little bit of my own story personally, and then talk, maybe just a tad on business and ask a question if that's alright. Yeah. Um, so I was going probably about uh, let's see, around two and a half years ago when I first ever even heard of the Enneagram, frame. And so for me and kind of hearkening to what Karen was talking about a little bit earlier, every assessment I had ever done, um, mind you a little back, I mean backstory on myself, like I've been self-employed and working for myself for over 14 years. Um, but I was always interested in, in these uh, personality assessments and work assessments. And so I would take the different tests and, I was always left feeling with a deep desire to work with the team. Mm. Like when I got done with them, I didn't feel like I learned anything about myself except for how badly I wanted to learn how to work with others. And <laughs> um, so, a couple of, a couple of years back, I took the Enneagram, and I was completely blown away because it was the first time I would ever taken an assessment and felt like I understood who I was, mm-hmm. uh, to a vastly wow. greater degree. And for me, what actually cemented that in, I was, um, spending some time with some friends and they, they said, Oh, have you heard the Enneagram song? And I said, I don't even know. I mean, I just learned about the Enneagram two weeks ago. And at this point, uh, sleeping at last had released, one and they had just released number two, so I'm an Enneagram one uh, with a wing two, and um, so they played the song of the one, and I just fell apart. Mm-hmm. I was just weeping, and I was a total mess because I—if somebody could have written me a song that encapsulated who I am as a human—and by the way, I'm a musician, so mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty big uh, props to them. But like, somebody wrote me a song and it impacted me so deeply that it just kind of thrust me into wanting to understand this thing, the Enneagram that I'd never known. Um, And so like my wife, Katie, who's on stage here, like she had hearkened earlier, you know, it's been a massive help in our marriage, um, but it's also helped me in business. And one of the biggest areas I think um, that helped me, and it was something I learned from our marriage is that um, I used to try to describe to people what it felt like to be a one. And I would say, and I once heard somebody describe it as I feel like I have a carbon copy of myself that follows me around all day to tell me what I could do better.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, from brushing my teeth to writing copy for a website. I mean, it didn't matter what it was. Um, I was always being told what I could do better by myself. <laughs> and um, and But when I got married, I learned that my seven wife, uh, when she got done and being successful at something and her loving one husband who wanted to uh, analyze what just happened and let her know how it could be better uh, jumped in, I was the guy who kind of came in with the BB gun and uh, broke all the balloons and ripped all the uh, the banners down and crushed the celebration,
5: mm.
2: um, so it didn't take very long into our marriage for me to learn that I have to understand when to let that out, but I need to recognize what it looks like for me to use that strength and not allow it to become a weakness. So when to tap into excellence and when to turn off that perfectionistic, uh, tinge in the back of my mind that wants to go into overdrive. But where I've seen it perform incredibly for me in this last season is, uh, we own a marketing business and I've gotten into, um, business coach coaching and consultation. Mm -hmm. And I found myself, And the only verbiage I can kind of explain for it is I feel like I'm a human leaf blower for people Mm. um, that I talk with in the fact that they tell me their situation and my mind immediately goes to work. And sometimes it's just like, it's supernatural to me because I'm like, I don't know how I'm like processing all this information so fast, but I'm, I'm giving them language and giving them space to in essence, see their path forward. And sometimes it just takes somebody coming that that you know can come along who's an ideas processor who can see how the thing can be done better um to come along and just give ideas and give them the leverage they need to move forward so uh just Ian, thank you uh for the work that you're doing it's made a profound impact in my life and i'm uh yeah i'm super grateful for it
1: oh, cody thanks mm. man awesome. uh really really appreciate it. And you have some great insights uh there along the way let me step in
0: with one thing on the heels of what Cody said. If you haven't heard uh Ryan O'Neill's work, Sleeping at Last, you should definitely go check it out and check out your number. It's not the first time we've heard someone when they hear their number, Ian, when they really break down and just Yeah weep, right? Yeah.
2: I I uh I was I was wrecked when I heard type three, uh, by uh Ryan too. So that, that song, especially as a, a three who's feeling repressed, um that, that music uh got to the, the heart of who I am. And it mm-hmm. took me a while to find my type before I knew subtypes. Um, so I, I hovered around as a one, like, am I a one or am I an eight or what am I? In the, and it wasn't until I read about the uh, subtypes and I read the self preservation three. And then I felt like, wow, this, you know, Beatrice to uh, the book I read about the, the subtypes. I'm like, she must've had a nanny cam in my house. That's my whole life. <laughs> like that's, that's me.
1: How has it, the knowledge that you're a three, like that awakening for you. Okay. I'm a three. Mm. What, how does it impact the way that you work? Mm. Like what, what did you realize? What, what did it, you know, how did it inform who you are as a leader in the business world and your relationships in business, all that Mm. stuff?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, as a starting place, it, it, it really, it challenged me early days to, to kind of, accept that the way that I saw the world wasn't the way to see the world, right? Like it was just one of nine normals. Uh, and that was, that was a bit, and especially as a, uh, as a self-preservation type who gets a little bit, um, more, uh, risk averse and, and stressed about certain things and, and, and that sort of tension between wanting to, uh, be a leader that appears successful and to do the big shiny projects and things all the, all the while being sort of, my self-preservation instinct, wanting to keep my body uh, safe and my finances intact and, and all of those things. And it's been a process of sort of ab- being aware of that and then observing it. There, you know, there's, there's a well-known quote that I'm sure everybody on this uh, call will know. It might have even been referenced earlier. Um, the, the victor, victor Frankl Frankel quote where it says, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And, and that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And so the Enneagram for me, I think especially the Enneagram for me as a leader, has widened that space. Mm -hmm. It's created a bigger distance between the stimulus and response. Um, I think I'm a much more intentional leader. I I pause more readily. I, I think I can listen a little bit more actively. I think I'm less likely to spring into action and more likely to consider diverse perspectives. It's not a straight line, um, you know. The development growth is is you know, the hexad in the middle of the enneagram symbol is literally a symbol of the growth is up and down and, and up and down again. And so it, the process is of rising and a falling. But 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 overall, I think I can more quickly observe when that reactivity is in, and and I need to step back and and be more responsive and less reactive.
1: Mm-hmm. Good. fantastic. Yeah, I think for for me as a four. You know, a self-pressed four who often looks like a three or a seven. That's as often the case with self-pressed fours. You know, um, it really helped me understand all of my contradictions. Mm. Uh, And when I began to understand my contradictions uh, and the confusion that it can cause uh, other people, it it helped me to be able to live in the world in such a way that um, I could clarify for other people uh, more readily and more quickly who i am why i do the things that i do uh why i feel the way that i do um obviously i work for myself though i have a team what do we have My, mm-hmm. our, our team is yeah. what 10 11 people right
0: yeah, 11 12 people
1: yeah and it it has helped me tremendously with them mm-hmm. you know i i you know we have a we have a one of the guys that uh, manages everything I do, he's a five on the Enneagram and uh, he couldn't, he's way different than me. And, uh, uh, he's very, you know, uh, he speaks, uh, with, you know, just in terms of, he speaks more efficiently and more economically than just about anybody, you know? Yeah. And, and I've learned, let's say with him, I know he's a five, uh, and, and, uh, he knows I'm a four and that, you know, those are pretty two very different numbers. And I, I laughed with him the other day. I said, my goal is always to be the first person to say, I got to go on the phone. You know what I'm saying? Because I'll talk forever as a four. Right. But, but that <laughs> self-awareness of knowing the five on the other end is not that interested yeah. in you know me, me sharing the planet <laughs> with them. So you know, all to say that it's helped me to explain myself mm-hmm. to myself yeah. and then able to communicate that to others mm, so good. you know we laugh all the time john and I, i'll i say john you know i'm a four right don't don't ask a personal question you're going to be here all afternoon right and and so and we laugh about it you know but again it just lubricates relationships mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. you know it just yeah, it's a social lubricant and and uh in mm. so many really powerful powerful ways all right who else yeah, anybody else that wants to talk raise your hand
0: I,
5: uh,
8: I did have a question. Yeah. Um, so my name's Cole. Um, I'm self-employed seven um, because I'm terrified of the idea of having a job yeah. and working for someone else. Yeah,
1: well, Cole, <laughs> um, Cole I just noticed that on your profile it says you're a three out of ten on the seriousness <laughs> scale. <on> that,
8: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> did you see Pretty that, Chris Carneal?
4: I love it, Cole. I got a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's hiring. to
8: pay well and have lots of freedom. <laughs> I love Oh, it. man. So, I'm, uh, yeah, the Enneagram has been amazing for my wife and I. And, Ian, your book was a really, like, great, um, like, introduction to it, basically, where it was, like, a really good eye-opener and learning all this stuff about it on a personal level. What I've found with it over time, with talking to people, I, I guess I see the Enneagram in a lot of ways as a reminder of the underbelly of um, dealing with the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 kind of like learned coping. And so, as much as I love being a seven because I like the the good sides of it, I've also noticed when I, I've also noticed there's lots of kind of weaknesses there and that's kind of what the Enneagram is great for both those sides of it. Um, But I've noticed that some people will just take a surface approach to the Enneagram and start throwing people they meet and people, Oh, he's an Enneagram one. That's why he's being like that, you know, kind of being flippant with it. I would wonder if in the context of business, like organizationally, how do you make sure that people are diving in on it truly for themselves and and avoid that kind of you know putting people in boxes and 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 kind of you know drawing conclusions because oh i read that section about the enneagram one and susan's a one and that's why she's being this way and like how do you avoid that and 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 keep it authentic and keep it truly um like you know revelatory
1: yeah well you know it's a great question i i for example, uh, on my sort of intro to the Enneagram day long workshops, I always, always, always finish with talking about Enneagram ethics. Scott m- mentioned that earlier that he does as well. But, you know, one of the things I'll talk about is number one, you know, you can't, you know, that the, oh, well, I'll say, first of all, that, listen, the Enneagram, if used improperly, causes more problems than it solves. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I just tell them, no, you, you, um, you can't do things like uh, uh, using your knowledge of another person's Enneagram type as a way to dismiss or even insult them, you know, like by saying, oh, my gosh, you're being such a one right now. Be quiet. You know what I right. mean? Like you cannot yep. do that, right, because that will create an unsafe environment where that person can't bring their whole self to you know, work or to the situation that they're in, right? Uh, another thing might be I tell people um, – You know, that uh, rather than using the Enneagram as a tool for changing other people um, through your knowledge of their type, it's, you know, do your own work first. That's an ethical thing to do. (laughs) Like, work on yourself Mm -hmm. first. Don't use it as a tool to, you know, work on others. You can encourage others to work on their own stuff, but, you know… Uh, I've seen it where people get too ham-fisted or too heavy-handed with it. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to do my work. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use it on my team and, you know, make sure they're all getting healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, the job is first. Do your own work, right? Um, You know, another ethic uh, thing that I'll I'll bring up to people is don't type others. You know, the the Enneagram is a simple system to learn. It's a very hard one to master. And if you're just a newcomer to the Enneagram – you know, chances are you're going to type somebody wrong. You're going to mistype people more often than not. Mm-hmm. So don't run around, you know, pegging people with numbers. It's off-putting. It's, uh, if anything, it's just going to turn people off to the Enneagram. I, mean, I can go on and on with, yep. with things that I tell people, um, but I really do lean into, as Karen will, has said, and, and, and maybe she can comment on it. Like this is about deep personal transformation that will have professional uh, implications. So. You know, I just remind people this is deep material that you now understand about other people, and you have to be very careful therefore how you use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and great, you know. So anyway, yeah. that's a, a couple of thoughts that I have. Karen, what were you going to say?
3: So to piggyback on that, and you know, I am a firm believer that if we don't own our stuff, our stuff owns us, right? So in other words, (laughs) when we deny the things that we have to work on, it's literally downstairs in the basement working out with weight, right? Mm -hmm. And it's going to win it. So I love the Enneagram because it allows us to look at our our stuff with sheer grace. Everyone knows why we're showing up in the ways that we're showing up there's no secrets and we're only as sick as our secrets to begin with. So the more honest that we can get and the more compassion we can show ourselves and the more humor we can do this with, we can just show up with such courage and joy. These are all words that other people have used tonight that are beautiful words. But I really think the Enneagram frees us. It allows us to live most freely. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna that's all I've got right now.
8: <laughs> Freedom. Love it chris you it sounds like you have adopted the enneagram pretty extensively in your organization how would you answer that that kind of question that i i posed with kind of keeping people from yeah misusing it or kind of just have we
1: heard from Gary scratching
8: Williams, the right? surface just enough to cause more damage than good yeah. like how do you yeah. get people to go deep with it
4: like everything in culture you have to model it you know you gotta um walk where you talk and just, just use any assessment or any, really even any description of a person in the most positive light possible. Um, I mean, a truthful light, of course, but the most positive one. So I just try to, you, you'll get this as a seven, I try to celebrate the best in others and that, that comes, that will come naturally to you. So what's, you know, creating an, an affirming and enc- encouraging culture that recognizes and calls out and sees and celebrates people's strengths.
1: Hmm.
4: that that's my job, and then I, and hopefully it, it filters down to the rest of the organization, and it, and it does.
1: That's great, cool. man. Thank you. Hey, we got a guy on here named Gary Williams. I want to talk to him, but if he's willing to talk with me, he's a guy's on his uh, thing here. He said, helping impact-oriented entrepreneurs get unstuck using their personality and purpose. Certified Myers-Briggs practitioner, Clifton, et cetera, et cetera. Gary, uh, if you're willing to talk, man, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on uh, the conversation we've had so far.
7: Yeah, it's been wonderful. Thanks so much for having me up, uh, and I've, I've loved the direction of the conversation so far. Uh, and just I've loved it so good. And uh, was so surprise to see in here, in here Ian. Uh, I actually came to know the Enneagram a few years back through your book, is one of the first tools, uh, and then just a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, hired Sloan, who's down in the audience there, uh, to get a deeper dive. He's an Enneagram coach. Uh, and so have been on this journey for a few years. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and, and one of the things that I love to do with tools like Myers-Briggs or Cooks and Strengths is to kind of go to those deeper layers, just like Cole was talking about. I think with any framework, there's always the surface, right? So in Enneagram, okay, there's these nine types. But I think as, as this conversation is illustrated, Oh my goodness! There are so many layers, right? When you start looking at the wings and tri types, the lines of integration. Uh, I, I would love to know. Where do you like to go next? If you're working with a team, if you're working with an organization, and and they have a solid understanding of their initial types, the core types, what is that next layer that you like to dig into to to further the development
2: of the team? Great question. For me, I think it depends on the team. That's a great question. So I, I've done, you know, I, when a team is looking for some real immediate, they, they, they've done the, the intro session, they all kind of identified their type, they're looking for some application. I'll get into, you know, you know, uh, session on and how to build trust and influence across types and do some real focus on that or, you know, uh, I might, might do some workshop around, um, you know, the different orientations, the time and stuff because of the implications on how projects run and on meetings and those kinds of things. But if the team is really open to it and they really, I've had a couple of experiences where they want to, you know, they just really want to keep learning and they'll start figuring out the application a little bit later and they've got the time and space for it, then I'm a guy that'll take them into subtypes pretty quickly, um, because I think that's just, focuses people in and, and, and it helps. And when I've done that invariably, there's always like one or two people that start to question where they thought they were because of all the lookalike types that happen. So I'm a big subtype guy and so I'll do that. And then, um, and then the next stop on the journey for me is, is really trying to bring the Enneagram to life as a map for personal growth. So talking about wings, not just as an identifier to, talk about added behaviors and things, but really as bringing balance into the wings as a, as a development tool, the access points you have and using your lines as development tools. And so it just depends how much road I have um, and what the appetite is.
1: That's good, man. Hmm. Anybody else have a some input they want to throw out there? Questions, anything before we call tonight? Hey Ian,
2: this
7: is Eric. Hey. Uh, I
1: have a question for you and the other
7: moderators. Yep. Um, so I heard you talk on Carrie Newhouse podcast about um, eight, sevens, and threes in the business world, kind of being more of a leader type. But Carrie, uh, was kind of like stereotyping that a little bit, and you were kind of saying, "No, all other types are open to being leaders." Um, I'm an Enneagram nine, full disclosure. But was just wondering, from you or the moderators, like um, how can uh, other types that aren't eight, sevens, and threes kind of rise to leadership and develop their gifts?
4: Mm. Great question! Wow, I'm the husband of an of an Enneagram nine, and I think that's my favorite Enneagram type. Very biased, but my, my <laughs> wife leadership. Uh, it feels different. It, it tends to be smaller groups, but the conversations are deeper and richer. So I, I think it's a mistake, or maybe it's just a, an American 2021 bias to think that leadership sure. is. Um, I don't know, big group, loud personalities like sevens, eight, and threes, Uh, I I see looking through scripture uh, and looking at heroes that really make a true, life-changing, profound difference in people's lives. A lot of them seem to have a lot of nines.
0: Yeah, a lot of our presidents have been nines, right, Ian? Yeah. Yep.
1: I mean the gift of nines I mean is uh, so many for a healthy nine in, in the business world. I love the fact that they 're so inclusive. I like that they yeah. lead by consensus they're they're not autocrats they're you know uh, people who want to include uh, the perspectives so if you listen to the perspectives of lots of people and integrate it into their decision making process um, but you know it's uh, uh, I think that every type as you were mentioning is Capable of being a great leader, and part of it's industry dependent. You know, uh, you know. Sometimes I, I just recently worked with a, um, a, a company where that had 500 coders, most of whom were fives, and the company leader was a five. Mm. And this guy started an incredibly successful business, incredibly successful business, and he's a great leader, and he's a five, right? Mm-hmm. The the stereotype is. Oh, fives, you know, they're in the basement, you know, mixing chemicals and, you know, in beakers. It's like, well, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Right. right? You know, I mean, go tell Warren Buffett, you know, tell Warren Buffett. He's, you know, that's, that's, and that goes back again to something we've spoken about before on our podcast, which is those are stereotypes, not types. That's right. And there is a big difference between a stereotype and a type. Yep. and I get furious and, and and someone was mentioning this earlier I do get furious when i when I hear people um, you know uh, slapping a very two-dimensional picture of a an, of an enneagram type and talking about it in such a way that's clear that they're making generalizations mm-hmm. very thin layer generalizations about type i mean dude you could you know I could write a whole book on every type
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah
1: right I could write a 200 page book on every type yeah so this idea that you know oh, uh, you know you know four or five interesting things about every type and you think you understand them now you're just stereotyping at right. that point Absolutely. usually and so i i guess in leadership you have to be careful because I've, I've never known a type that wasn't capable of being a great leader to the degree that they were self-aware and had done their work mm-hmm. you know um and uh Yes, I agree. Three sevens and eights are the three most assertive numbers on the enneagram. They tend to make the most noise. They, you know, I think most business schools up until recently was basically just trying to pump out enneagram threes, whether the person who, who was in the program was a three or not. <laughs> right. Um, and so, you know. Um, yeah, I just, I, I want to encourage people, number one, to get familiar with their type and also familiar with um, the gifts that they do bring to leadership. The best thing they can do to them for themselves in the very beginning, however, is to work on themselves. Scott, do you have anything to say about that?
2: I would just underscore everything you just said 100% and, and, and what Chris said too, in terms of, you know, how are we defining what leadership is? And mm. I think mm. historically, specifically within America, right? We talk about, you know, very. you just said it, right? Business schools producing... On a on a conveyor belt, and uh, you know sevens and eights to can make a lot of noise and things, and you know future focused and all those kinds of things, and can kind of when they haven't done their work, maybe overshadow some other types, and therefore they're more visible, and so they maybe get kind of you know raised up to the type, to the top. But I think you know we could have a whole hour discussion. I think on you know like the need to redefine leadership and what is healthy leadership look like. Mm. We've, we've talked about a lot of those concept, yeah. but I think we could do a really yep. good dive. We'll have to get back on here, Ian, and do another another round. Yeah, yeah I'd
1: love that. Amen.
0: Yeah.
1: I'd love that. We're getting a lot of applause on that one, Scott. Yes. We're loving that. Hey, everybody. Um, what do you think? I think it's time to wrap up. Anthony's uh, looking at me like he wants to go have a pizza, <laughs> which means we got to wrap up because... When Anthony gets hungry, his whole personality changes. His personality changes. He goes from being a soft-hearted four to a very aggressive eight. A very unhealthy eight. What
0: is your nickname for my... um, Ka. Ka, that's right.
1: Ka the Tiger comes out. That's right. Hey, Karen and uh, Chris and Scott, thank you so much for being part of the conversation. To all of you in the room, thanks for joining us. I hope it was helpful. We... uh, i so grateful to you, and uh, let's continue this conversation around the Enneagram and business uh, uh, sometime in the near future, Anthony. And uh, again, love to you all, and uh, be well. Bye, Scott. Bye, Chris. Bye, Karen. Thank you. Uh, thank bye, you bye. Bye now, guys. Uh, thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Bye.
6: Thank you, guys. Bye now.